Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hey, hello. Samantha. Hey, babe. Welcome to Survival Jobs, a podcast, everybody. I'm oh, I was like, thank Coons. you. Oh. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. I feel so welcome. And I'm Samantha Dawn Tutsalo. We're so happy yeah. everyone's tuning in to Survival Jobs, a podcast in collaboration with Broadway World. Yes, yes. Episode 35. Here we are again. That's Another one. one. Yeah. 35. <gasps> Oh my gosh, three and five are my lucky numbers. Oh, so it's a good episode then. <laughs> wow, congratulations yeah. for the lucky one. Right? So um, great. So I guess, Samantha, like it's kind of yeah. hard to do this podcast, or not do this podcast, but like to start this podcast when there's so much craziness in the world, right? In our country, especially. And Yeah. Um, and it's like, when does it end? You know? never ends <laughs> it just feels so i don't even know the word how are you feeling um you know i guess i wanted to say that we do this podcast to bring some light into a very dark world you know um and as we said a few weeks ago that we need to stay vigilant and know what's happening in our country because you know they these terrible i'm trying to use my words very wisely so i don't offend too many people but you know at the end of the day i really don't give two craps about mega people so yeah i was gonna um, say <laughs> this is our don't show tune in. We say, yeah we can say whatever we want <laughs> but you know these terrible right-wing mega people don't take breaks y'all and as we can see from the buffalo shooting that happened this week white supremacists don't take breaks either and it was less than two years ago that we were all out in the streets. We were demanding justice for Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And it feels like that energy or that fire has kind of died down um, in less than two years. And I'm wondering, like, what happened to that? Because it seems like we were all coming together and we were finally demanding justice and accountability. And I don't know what happened to that. I'm not sure if it's just because that trash bag is not president anymore, that things are just kind of, everybody's kind of like, okay, we're better, but things aren't better as we can see. And black people are tired, you know, we're exhausted. And I'm sure women are exhausted and tired. And, you know, queer people are exhausted and tired. And it's like nonstop every freaking day in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a pandemic as well. And 
I just wanted to challenge our our listeners, our viewers out there and ask, like, what have you done? And not just you in general, Samantha. I mean, it's like everybody out there, like, what have you done in the past two years since those protests to help and, and to embolden the Black people in your lives and, and you know, to, to stop this or to help stop this ridiculous and, and hurtful white supremacist rhetoric, you know? And I think I want to challenge people, whether it's to donate to a Black cause or help organize a protest or write to your elected officials or register to vote or, or just have a conversation have a someone conversation. who might not who someone who might not understand why people are upset you know and I think that that's yeah. important as well conversations in your inner circle really can make a difference as well yeah um so that was my challenge and I hope you know, I'm not trying to preach. I know this is supposed to be a nice little light moment for your week, you know, an hour or so to just like distress a little bit. But, you know, this shit is hard. And I just want to remind people of that. And hopefully uh, we can all do a little more. So, yeah, I mean, that's just how I'm feeling. And I think, you know, everyone needs to do a little more and, and to really just, you know, stay on top of these things and know what's going on in the world. Like, I know we, it's hard and it's stressful, but these people don't take breaks and they're trying to take our rights away. They're trying to just, it's a lot. So, you know, just stay on top of stay on top of it and, and check in on your, your, your black and brown people in your lives. You for know? sure. For sure. Well, I'm checking in on you, babe. And I love ah, you. You always do. You always do. I got you. Yeah. Anything you want? I know I was on a little tangent there. Anything you want That's to say? That's okay. Um, no, you know, I, I, I just continue to be shocked. And I know that that's maybe crazy to think because things just keep happening one after the other, but the, the, the shock never goes away. And it's like, why do we have to live in this kind of a world? And like, exactly like, what can we do to get out of it? And I, I think it's the small steps that are going to lead to the big ones, right? We're just two mm -hmm. people and we can't change everything overnight so you got to start small and that's what i think like i said the small intimate conversations with people who have questions or like don't understand like why this person said x or why this person is marching or why this person posted this or why we're talking about this on this podcast about artists because it's important and and mm -hmm. it affects everyone so i sign off on everything you say and i support and love you oh I love you too, boo. And I love everybody for listening to us and listening to me go on these tangents, even if I think it's important, you know? Um, it is. Yeah. What else I, is on I, your mind? I do want to say that I apologize. I was trying to, because you were preaching and, and speaking so beautifully. It's not, not you, you do, you always speak beautifully. So I was oh, trying to get you. your box on this video bigger. And I oh. made my face, my face. <laughs> went huge so sorry to everyone who's <laughs> watching that there it is again how do i make it be you <gasps> oh there it is look at hey us guys we're learning something new every single day <laughs> anyway sorry i didn't mean to to take a huge turn away from what we we're speaking of but i did want to bring attention to the people who are watching the video that's what just happens <laughs> yeah right <laughs>
Um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 Jason, maybe we can drop some places to donate in the show notes, or yeah. So we always have some places, but I'll I'll find some more to add in there. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, it's, it's it's important, and I think we all need to do our part, and we just stay on top of it and stay vigilant. And you know, there's many ways to act as activism, right? It's like some people are really good at donating. Some people are really good at actually being on the front line. Some people are, you know, are are people who are, are having conversations. You know, I think we all can do our part and find our way to be useful and to change some minds. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep going and keep harping on it, but. No, but but, got work but to do. that's it. That's it. Yeah. In conclusion, in conclusion, mad work. That's the thesis statement. We got work to that's do. <laughs> that is. The Should we talk about Chris? Yeah. Or, oh no, you so, want to talk about? Um... No, that's okay. You know what? We'll save this is us for next week because the cool. se- the series finale will happen on Tuesday, and I'll have a lot to talk about. As nice. our faithful listeners know, I've been following this show since day one, and the series is ending on Tuesday, and it's emotional. It is. Yeah. So well, yes, we'll say come that on, season. Yes. Come on to our show. <laughs> Literally, come on to the show. We'll save that for next week. For show. You know? Let's talk about Chris. But, so something exciting. Yeah, exactly. Chris, who we're going to speak to today, is also from Connecticut. Isn't that a theme we've been having lately? We're just having all these Connecticut people on, which is so fun because it's like, yes, represent Connecticut. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's nutmeg. go. Let's let's <laughs> little nothing. Let's pump out these stars. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but you've known Chris or seen him around the the, the Bridgeport theater community. So you want to kick off telling everyone his bio? Oh, yeah. So it's funny because last time I saw Chris had to be, uh, I think it wasn't, it wasn't this year. He's been on tour. It had to be last year in the middle of the pandemic. I saw him at the supermarket and I was like, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've like seen it. him yeah, in the stop and shop parking lot. <laughs> I haven't heard on. anybody say like supermarket in a long time. I love that. Oh, what does it call it? What is it called? A grocery store. Grocery store, yeah. We say grocery store. That's funny. No, it's just (laughs) funny how people say things differently. Yeah. Yeah, Um, my brain is like flatlining this week. (laughs) It's a stressful (laughs) week. But um, yeah, so I first saw Chris, uh, or I remember seeing Chris, was in 2012. There was like a Whitney Houston tribute concert at a downtown cabaret here in Bridgeport. And he sang, I always love you. And I'm, you know, anybody who knows me, or follows me on Instagram, I'm like the biggest Whitney fan, you know, definitely, definitely top five, I would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and he did it justice. He sang Always Love You. And that's like, obviously her signature song that everyone knows. And to hear like a guy sing it, number one, and then to do it so well, I was blown away. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this guy is great. And I've seen him in a couple other shows here and there. So I don't know him, like, I don't know him as a friend personally yet. But, um, you know, we just have run in the same circles and, you know, I've seen him perform and yeah, he's always so nice and so kind and always smiling. He has a, the greatest, beautiful, big white smile and super talented. So, and I'm so happy that he, I wanted to be on the show. I reached out to him and was like, hey, I know you're doing the Pretty Woman tour. I tried to go see it. I couldn't make it when they were in Hartford, but he didn't hold that against me. He was like, yes, <laughs> I'll, come, I'll come on your show. Can you imagine? So super happy. You didn't see my show. I'm not coming on yours. I know. <laughs> He's like, um, yeah, negative on that. <laughs> Canceled. Canceled. 
cancel. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about him. I'll, yeah. I'll start with his bio. Kick it off. Kick it off. Yeah. Chris is currently on the first national tour of Pretty Woman as an ensemble member and understudy for Edward Lewis and Philip Stuckey, which is, you know, the leads. A graduate of Fairfield University, he began performing at an early age as a violinist, singer, and actor. In addition to theater, Chris has been employed as a songwriter with ASCAP and has performed as a solo act alongside Alicia Keys, Mint Condition, and Brian McKnight. Ooh, that is classy. Alicia Keys is the truth. I know, we love her. Some of the most memorable theater roles have been Bobby, Bobby Kennedy in the one-person play, RFK, Billy Bigelow in Carousel, and Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. Chris hails from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Whoop, and, whoop. In addition, and in addition to being a performer, is a purple belt in Brazilian, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He mm. loves competing in Jiu-Jitsu and practicing overall physical fitness regularly. Chris is currently eyeing film and television roles, as well as continuing his journey in the world of musical theater. He is constantly learning and striving to reach his full potential as a performer and is represented by Britt Adams, LTD, in New York City. Boom, baby, boom. Yes. Let's watch it. Enjoy, you guys. Enjoy. Hi, Chris. Hi. What's going on? How are you? Hey, Jason. Hey, how are you? Good. Great. Oh, we love great over yeah, here. Yeah, out here in sunny Florida. Can't get any better. Yeah, you know, it's great. Welcome to Survival Jobs, a podcast. We are so happy to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you to Jason for going into the into the vaults and finding you to come on. Yes, yes. I'm glad he did. Yep. Yeah, so you're in Florida. Of Chris, so had to had to bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. The, the two Bridgeport guys, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. I love when, you know, I feel like it always randomly happens that we get Connecticut people on here and we don't even mean to. Yeah. Right, Jason? We just keep putting those Connecticut people up in survival jobs. Well, I've been a fan of Chris for so long because he's always performing and we run like in the same circle. So I think it's Oh, you know who he was from Connecticut Theater? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought you just were like looking around like on tours and we were like, this guy looks great. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, did you guys know each other? Or just like you just knew of him? We met a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> now we're going to become friends now. Officially. That's right. Now it's official. We have some <laughs> mutual friends as well. Yes, we do. So yes. we're all just connected. That's right. <laughs> wow, guys, I just got so excited. I did not realize that because I've been in fog land. I've had so much BS going on in my life. My brain hasn't been working. So obviously, you knew who he was. <sighs> Anywho. <laughs> who doesn't know who I am? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot. Stop. Well, this podcast is called Survival Jobs, a podcast. And we love talking to artists, actors, performers, whoever that loves art about their survival jobs on their journey to be where they are now. Cool. Yeah. So, Jason, you want to kick it off? Let's just yeah. I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna hop right in because I know Chris, you have a, a two show day today, so we're gonna get this popping. Um, Let's go. Yeah. Can you share a story or an experience from a survival job that you really enjoyed and that really helped, kind of where your career is now? Yeah, so um, 
well, I think that the the, the job that uh, most helped me in this career is uh, real estate. So I'm a realtor in Connecticut as well, and also New York. And so just doing that, like, first of all, it gives you the flexibility. It gave me the flexibility to be able to audition when I had to and to leave and do shows and be, be just be really flexible. And also just like dealing with people like on a day to day, different people. Like when I have interactions with people, I try to like um, pick up different things that that person might do or say or like behaviors. And then like I'll I'll use those if I like it, I'll like kind of use that later on in a performance or whatever. So I just love like meeting new people and being outside and like something new every day. I guess that's just like the artist in me. It like helps me scratch that itch. Oh, of course. Yeah. I had an acting teacher who would always be like, watch people, right? That's how you become a better actor is to watch and observe other people. Yeah. So like go to bars or like, you know, when you're working your job, just you know, just stay in the background and just observe. Yeah. You know, I took some classes at William Esper Studio in the city. And okay, that's, I, I had Suzanne Esper as the, as the uh, teacher. And uh, that's one of the things she told us to do. She's like, you know, when you're walking around the city, she's like, just like observe people and look at them and judge them. She's like, I want you to judge. Like, I want you to, to, to formulate opinions about these people based on what you see, because that helps you in the performance. You're reacting to what to what you're seeing, you know. So that's like you're, what you're saying is 100 percent true. You know, I've heard that before because you're a Meisner person. So yes, that's yes. why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason, like, how do you know what studio teaches what method? You were like, OK, Meisner. <laughs> the savant. He's a savant in this theater game. He's, wow. he's been in the game for a minute. Yeah, he really is. He always yeah. he always amazes me. Mm -hmm. so, so opposite of that, do you have a job that was like your worst survival job that you like hated or like a shocking story that happened? Um, worst survival job is like doing masonry work, to be honest with you. In the hot summer, it was not good. It was like backbreaking labor. I did uh, ma like masonry work and landscaping. So that was like really tough. Although it like helps you stay in shape and whatnot and you get a nice tan. But other than that, <laughs> it's like really backbreaking labor. Um, I don't know, like no story like in particular is, is jumping off the page that necessarily has something to do with theater. I mean, I've done like all types of different jobs, you know, bartending, um, like I said, real estate, I've worked in construction. I have worked at UPS and loading the trucks. So like, oh, I no. worked the graveyard shift from, I think it was 11 to five. It wasn't, it wasn't eight hours. I think it was a six hour shift, 11 to five in the morning. Jeez. And uh, just so the, the, the boxes just come on a conveyor belt nonstop. And it was you and one other person standing in the truck, just loading them and loading them in. So, you know, like if you're getting those UPS boxes, just know that there's an actual live human being putting those in the truck and, uh, and night long. that human being. <laughs> that seems like it could be a good workout though. You know, it's a great workout. You lose a ton of weight and it's about 110 degrees inside the, uh, inside the truck. So <laughs> you're definitely sweating it out. And now you could be the UPS guy in legally blonde. <laughs> hey, listen, let's go. Let's make it happen. I'm ready. That's actually like not a bad schedule really for an actor because you could work from 11 to five like wake up a little like get a coffee and then go to an audition or go to like 
put your name on the list. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're you, like five o'clock, you still have time to sleep before you actually have to get to most auditions. So right. It's right. perfect. Yeah, wow. it works out good. Like I like stuff like that that you could do at night, so you still have your whole entire day free. It's kind of essential to do that, actually. Yeah, but you have to have something like that, or unless you, or you have to be like really, really flexible in your job. Right. You know, have somebody that's really understanding. Like I was lucky enough to have people that I worked for and with that were really understanding about what I was trying to do. All right, you want the truth? Sometimes I would lie. I would lie. And I would say that I had to go like do something else. <coughs> you got to do what you got to do to get where you want to go. So, Chris, you were just acting. You were working on your craft. It wasn't yes, a lie. Yes. I was. I'm guilty. <laughs> that that is good. You know, you're using your acting skills. That's great. Exactly. And I Use think it paid off, right? Wait, I want to know what's the craziest job that that has that you heard about on this podcast. Oh, one that I did not like was the one where I think it was actually Chris Cafero. He was talking about how he had to like be like um he had to go to like open up apartments for this something. This is literally what I was gonna say as well. Was it? Yeah. What Wait, is so, it so he had to like, get a from all the way in the west side. And he had to go open these apartments around New York City yeah. and like bring people's bags up to their apartments. He never got tipped. Yeah. And he was like he would work like eight ten hours a day. Awful. Okay, <laughs> and I'm sure there were all walk up buildings too. Like, yes. No. Elevator. And he would like carry the laundry up the the five flights of stairs. No tip. It was bad. Jason, that's they were like, yeah, people always tip you when he like got hired, and like no one ever did. And like the six months he worked there, I was. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that how well. they get you. That's the setup. Yeah, no, no, no. You're gonna make tons of tips. Yeah, and then people <laughs> are a holes, and nobody tips. By the yeah. way, I do want to say I think real estate is like a very good job for actors to have because. You're not waiting tables. By the way, nothing wrong with waiting tables. We all have waited tables. Yes. You're not waiting tables. You're still like interacting with people. It's still flexible and you're making real money. Yeah, it's good money. I mean, if you get in the right, if you get the right place, I mean, you can make more money than you do in a show, frankly, sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> depending, oh, on what, depending on what show, what kind of contract it is. Right. But it's really good. I mean, it's fun and it keeps you on your toes, literally and figuratively. So it's good. For Anything sure. that you could do where you're interacting with people, I feel like can help you with your craft, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, so true. Oh, call center jobs. Like those I can't do. Those I'm like to Horrifying. be changed to the desk inside. No, I can never. I did it before. And I can never do that again. That's the That's Gabby said, our last guest, Gabby French. Yeah, she had a call center job. And then you know who else? We had another person who had a call center job who like had some crazy, crazy, crazy woman. So I feel like you get a lot of crazy people at these jobs. And like people are mean. It's different when people are mean in hospitality because you're just like you can walk away from them. But somebody's mean to you on the phone and it's your job. You're sort of stuck on a phone call with them and you're like, yo, I got to get off the phone. Yeah, and you can like smile all you want and try to diffuse it on a phone call, but because the other person can't see you, it's like you can't turn on the charm. Like there's only so much that you can do to kind of like try to de-escalate the situation. So yeah, it can get really ugly really fast when you're on just a phone call. That's a mess. Well, I want to jump into your freaking talent, man. I so I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I remember like the first time I remember you was there was like a Whitney Houston tribute. 
Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I'm not making, I'm not making that up, right? No. I okay. There was a Whitney Houston tribute at the downtown cabaret and you sang I Will Always Love You. And it was like amazing. And first of all, that's a song that no one should do, right? Because it's like Whitney's signature. Yes, yeah, so I like that. But you nailed it and did it in, like you're in your own way and like i think for a male singer to like tackle it was like so beautiful so that's my first memory of you and i was like you're you're i'm a fan i'm a fan for life after that because uh, whitney's my favorite singer and if you can do her justice then <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's high praise is if you're saying i did justice to a whitney song because whitney is for sure is whitney yeah. But, yeah i did a lot i did quite a few like um they used to do a lot of benefit shows there so they would like raise money for the theater. And I always like, I love participating in stuff like that. You know, I think it's so important to to do your part and to get out there, to be able to support local arts groups and things like that. It's, you know, cause that's the lifeblood of it. That's, I mean, pretty much everybody gets their start doing that, right? Like we don't- That's so true. That community, right? Broadway. That local community theater. But how old were you when you decided you wanted to like, when you knew you had a gift? When you like knew you could sing, not just right. sing, but you could sing. So singing wise was, I think it was like in the fifth grade or something. And I sang in church and everybody would like gave me, gave me love after that. They were like, oh, you sounded so good and this and this and that. Now, I don't know what, how, if, I mean, I think I sounded okay, I, I, but like, <laughs> I don't know how much of that was just supporting me and whatever, but I really took it to heart and so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to try to do this more often. Like, feels good to, like, be in front of people and, and, and do that. And then in seventh grade was where it, like, took off because I was in a show that was written by one of the teachers. I don't remember the name of the show, but I remember the name of the character I played. It was the lead. And his name was Marty Fastbuck. And he was, like, a fly-by-night sales guy. And oh, wow. So I, I, yeah, so I played that role, and I performed it for the school assembly. And I mean, I felt good. I felt really good about my performance, guys. And I, I felt like I nailed it. And then the next day at school, or, or rather than um, that night, the, um, was the parent, um, was for all the parents to go and watch the show. And there was an eighth grader that did that one because if seventh grade was for the school, eighth grade was, and oh. the next day everybody was like, <clears throat> my god you totally should have been like the one to go on for the parents you were so awesome like it was better this and that so i was like all right maybe i'm onto something here like yeah let's go let's let's you know and um that was where i kind of married the two things together the singing and the acting and i discovered that you could get the best of both worlds with musical theater so that i think that was like kind of where i really developed that love for it you know thank god for marty Marty Fishburne. Marty Fastbook, yeah. Oh, Fastbook. Fishburne, I said. Yep. Marty Fastbook. <laughs> That's yep. a great name. It's just a, it's just a musical oh. theater character name. <laughs> yeah, That's it, it really is. Story. Really yeah, the teacher did a good job writing it, too. So. Yeah, shout out to that teacher. What shout was their out. name? Yeah, you know I, their name? I don't remember. No idea. But no. shout out to that teacher. If you're listening, thank you for Marty Fastbook. I think I'm pretty sure it was Mrs. Spears. Well, I could be wrong. Mom. So, Mrs. Spears, if you're out there, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you for Marty, because yes. look at how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you did a ton of theater in Connecticut. I may actually have seen you in some stuff, I think. I don't know. Maybe Les Mis. Maybe. Yeah, I did Les yeah. Mis. I was Marius. For sure. So, you did a ton of stuff in Connecticut, and you were like, I love this. So, how did you make the transition from 
Connecticut theater to finding representation to where you are now in your artistic journey? So there's a lot of really good groups, <clears throat> theater groups in Connecticut. And one of them is called New, New Paradigm Theater. And <clears throat> they have some really good people, like great people that are involved with that and that run that, that theater company. And so I ended up, they ended up calling me um, at one point. I had been doing shows in Connecticut. They ended up calling me and said, you know, we were doing Hunchback and uh, the person that was gonna, going to play Clopin can't do it anymore. They, uh, so we are looking for a replacement. So would you like to come in and, and, and do it? Or like, I said, yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. So I went in and I was able to work with, uh, Paul Bogave, who, uh, was actually the music director for that. Um, Kristen, uh, Huffman, <clears throat> who was in company on Broadway was, um, working. She basically, she runs the theater company and a guy named Scott Bryce, who was in a lot of TV and film. He was actually in, um, the soap world. For a long time he was the director so i valued all three of their opinions and and um in talking to them and learning from them and scott pulled me aside one day after the rehearsal he was like i don't know what you're doing or like what your story is uh what you're doing for work right now but you should totally like be out there and his wife jody uh told me about william esper studio and everything so that kind of like got the ball rolling to where i said you know what let me just go all in you have to go all in like, there's no you do. There's no halfway. It's either you're in or you're out. You can't. You yeah. can't expect to For get sure. that level if you're not willing to commit 100% and believe that you could do it. So that's my little spiel on that. But that was kind of like the start of it. And then I was lucky enough to book during the pandemic. <clears throat> I mean, many other things happened along that time. But I was lucky enough to book um, the role of Bobby Kennedy in a one man show at Music Theater of Connecticut, which is also where I got my equity card. Okay, one man show. Jack, what's that? Yeah. I said, okay, one man show. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the, so that like really um, did a lot for my confidence on stage and just got me to believe because it was two and a half hour show pretty much just out there, 43 pages of text. And like to this day, I don't, I can't believe that I memorized all that. And there's nowhere to go when you're in a one person show. Yeah. Oh nowhere to gosh. run. There's nowhere to 43 hide. Forty-three pages. Forty-three pages. Yeah, and I went up uh, in the first show because whatever nerves. And yeah, you can't. It's like it's terrifying because like your mind is racing trying to figure out where you were or trying to find like the next spot to start back up, and you don't want to be too far down the show and like eliminate you know five scenes from the show. So, but that did a lot in like preparing me um to uh to perform you know to, to to be to take the stage and to like really uh dig my dig, dig into a role and to like study it i did a lot of like work on studying bobby kennedy i got the accent down his little mannerisms and things like that so that was really cool and i believe that that gave me a little bit of a a little bit of a jolt that i needed to to, to take that extra confidence into the city and, and try to book these other roles I mean, yeah, having that behind you. I mean, if you could do a one-man show and survive, then you could do anything, in my opinion. Yeah, and if you so could yeah, do a one-man like, show, you could do a one-man show, too. Even better, yeah. 100%. Or one-person show. Enjoy it. What's that? <laughs> Samantha did a one-person show in, in college. I did, in college. <laughs> what was it? In the Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Hmm. Lily Tomlin did it. And then uh, 
shit. What's the girl's name from SNL that just did it at the shed? Cecily Strong. She just did it at the shed. Um, I cut seven characters out though. But it was okay. still like it was still like an hour. I could I don't think I could do it now. In college, I was much a much I had a much different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's totally you really have to like commit, <laughs> needless to say. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to do. Is the music theater of Connecticut in Norwalk? It is. Yep. On Westport Ave, right? Yep. It's right by my go. parents' house. It's right great. By- it's a great theater. They do good shows there. I did um, three shows there. So I did RFK. I was in Jekyll and Hyde, and I was in Ragtime there. And actually, wow. um, <clears throat> um, Ragtime, um, Ezekiel uh, uh, Andrews, Ezekiel Andrews, friend of mine, he is now on Lion King. Uh, Mufasa, oh, wow. Mufasa on Broadway, yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yep. So he's, and he's a great guy. He, his, his co-house is just out of this world. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite show besides Hairspray is Ragtime. Oh, you say Lion King. I was like, really? Oh, no. I love the movie. We but... did that when we were, uh, when everything was going down with like, um, you know, I remember during the pandemic, it was all with George Floyd and things like that. There was, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And to have done uh, Ragtime just before the pandemic and then to do RFK during the pandemic when that mm-hmm. when it was really, you know, taking center stage yeah. nationally, it was that definitely added something to my performance because it was so relevant. And it was sure. unbelievable that it was so relevant in 2020. It was like, how can this even be? It probably really helped ground you too, like yeah. to have it in the world. Well, Chris, we're almost at the end of our interview because oh. I need show today. We're gonna we get have... you onto that stage. Yeah. <laughs> we have to talk about Pretty Woman though before we go, which I'm so mad I missed it in Hartford when you were here. But Jason, I know, I know, I'm kicking myself. But <laughs> tell me, tell us about the process. <laughs> so Pretty Woman is, I mean, the show is so fun, right? It's like a feel good show. Um, people, obviously, m- almost everybody that comes to the show knows the song Pretty Woman, Roy Orbison. And uh, I'm not going to say when in the show, but we do give people that number, right? So, and it's really, really fun. But the show follows the storyline of the movie really well. Um, the, all like the moments that people remember from the movie, which I can't believe was 30 years ago. Um, and the, the music was done by Brian Adams. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's it's great for for the type of show that it is. It, it, it elevates your spirits, right? Um, it's a sh- it's a storyline that everyone kind of knows and loves. And the director Jerry Mitchell, uh, he directed and choreo- uh, choreographed the show. Two time Tony Award winner. Two time Tony Award. I mean, yeah. let's do. I need to say anything else? The whole <laughs> creative team it was amazing. I mean, like literally, you're, so you're lucky for Adam Pascal, right? Yeah, so Adam is great. I yeah. understudy his role, Edward Lewis, and I also understudy Philip Stuckey, who is his attorney, who's played by Matt Stokey. Stokey playing Stuckey. And um, <laughs> yeah, everybody I mean, from the top down, literally from the top down. Paula Wagner, who's the producer. We had a chance to meet um, Kathleen and Barbara Marshall, Gary Marshall's uh, wife and, um, and daughter. And wow. just the amount of, from day one of the rehearsal process, it was it was infectious their energy and their passion for the show were infectious and it really just elevated kind of everyone's game top to bottom i I could not be happier with the people that i'm surrounded by in this show oh that's amazing Um, 
how many times have you gone on for Adam? So I've gone on seven times, uh, six times in Cleveland where I got a review. I actually went on um, on press night in Cleveland. That's so that so exciting. Awesome. I was able to be reviewed in Cleveland. And then the other time I went on was um, the first show in Hartford. So Jason, uh, how'd you like that? Oh, <laughs> oh that's right. Crying, <laughs> crying. But you had 20 people you told me that still came out to support you. <laughs> I did have a lot of people. I think I had about 80 people there at that show. Whoa, that's <laughs> yeah. so fun. Yeah, it was great. It was a great time. And Olivia, I mean, Olivia Valley is like, she is so fun to perform with. And she sings the roof off and she acts the, the, the stage off. It's great. It really, really fun. Did you know that you were doing the performances on press night? I didn't. Oh, I, thank you. No, I did. I As a matter of fact, I had two hour ready. notice that I was doing it. And that was the first, that was my debut. Yeah, so <laughs> he he wow. opened on, on a Tuesday and then got sick. And I got the call at like 4.30 on Wednesday. Hey, you ready to go on tonight? I was like, uh, yeah. So we did it. It was, it was nerve wracking. It was, it was great. I mean, it was everything that I could have imagined. And it got better from there. That's amazing. That's amazing. We wish you that we could talk to you for hours, but again, we have to get you on that stage. Maybe you're going to go on today. Who knows what's going to happen when you get to the theater. You never know. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So, so on season one, we had one of our guests say that if all of their artistic talents and success went away, they could go back to waiting tables and be happy. And that was one of their survival jobs. So do you have a survival job that you feel like you could go back to that would fulfill you as much as performing does in a different way, you know, in a different way. It's yeah. different. In a different it's way. Not gonna... See, the thing about performing is like, it's one of those things where like, if you're a performer, you, you have to do it. It's, I mean, you can try to like push it down and like do like a quote unquote, have a normal life or whatever, but it's impossible to do. i I know that from experience, but if I really pushed it to shove, I had to go back to something. I would go back to real estate. The company that I work for is amazing in Connecticut. This company called Yellow Brick. They're awesome people. So I could definitely go back to doing that. And lately, I've been thinking about getting my um, uh, like a fitness instructor license, like a personal trainer license. I would yeah, like to do that. I'm really you're into jiu-jitsu. King. You need to talk about that, but you yeah. are. <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm, a, I'm a, like an avid competitor and practitioner of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, purple belt. So it's like anything that has to do with that or fitness, I would love to do too. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so nice. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. We love that. (laughs) We love sticking to the stories. So I don't know if you've been prepped, but we end every episode with a game. Okay. I haven't, but let's do it. (laughs) Jason, do you want to talk about the game since it came from your brain? Yes. Um, so since you are in the I- iconic Pretty Woman musical, we're doing a trivia game of other movie to screen. Okay, ruin that. Sorry. <laughs> screen to stage <laughs> adaptations. We have five quick trivia questions for you. And we are going to uh, just ask them. And if you need a lifeline, one of us will give you one. But I think you got maybe, this. Maybe if we're feeling kind or maybe not. <laughs> You want to take the first one, Samantha? Yep. Okay. Are you ready? Do you have your competitive pants on, number one? I'm ready. Let's go. <sighs> okay. True or false? The 1950s... 
Oh, I have to wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't jump the gun. (laughs) Okay, ready? The 1952 movie musical Singing in the Rain opened on Broadway three years prior in 1949. True or false? True? False. (laughs) It was a movie first. Okay. Yeah, I should have known that. (laughs) <laughs> it's because you jumped the gun and you thought you knew it. And yeah, it's my, it's, I had the true in my head. Let's go. Next one. I got this. Okay. Go ahead, okay. The Bodyguard musical, based on a 1992 Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner film, won four Tony Awards in the 2015 Broadway season. True or false? False. That's false. Yes, you're right. False. Correct. It was never on, yeah. it was never on Broadway. Yeah. You got Congratulations. it. Congratulations. We couldn't win any Tonys. Okay, next. This Patrick Swayze classic romance film had a musical adaptation that premiered on Broadway in April 2012. A, Flashdance, B, Tu Wong Fu, C, Ghost, or D, Point Break? Ghost. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. There you go. Um, And last one before the bonus. Which one of these classic Whoopi Goldberg movies has never transitioned into a Broadway musical? A, Sister Act, B, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, C, The Lion King, or D, The Color Purple? It's How Stella Got Her Groove Back? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Jason, this is a good game. Okay, I don't, there are all the other ones around probably, so yeah. <laughs> okay, now for your bonus to redeem your incorrect answer yes. on the first question. Who starred as Edward and Vivian in the 1990 Pretty Woman film? This is a layup. Richard Gere and Julie Roberts. Congratulations. Yeah. You got the bonus, which redeems your own answer. Now you have 100 Yes. Oh, Chris, I think we have like two minutes, I think, right? Possibly. Advice. Can you just give some advice to anyone who wants to do what you do? Yeah. Never stop. Never, never stop doing what, what you, the things that you, are necessary, right? Like time takes time and your timeline could be totally different than the next person. Some people go to school, get out, book a Broadway show. Some people, you got to wait. Me, right? For instance. <laughs> you got to, yeah, <clears throat> you got to <throat> wait. And uh, just everything that you do, do it with the mindset of, this is another stepping stone to get me to where I want to be and just never quit. And eventually you'll, you'll, you'll get there, but you got to believe it a 1000%. You have to know that this is what you're going to end up doing. And if you do that, chances are, it's going to happen. Like Henry Ford has a good quote. He said, whether you think you can or think you can't, uh, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. So oh, I'll leave that at that. That's a good way to end. That. That is a good way to end. Can you please tell all of our listeners where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, on Instagram at I'm Chris Manuel. At I'm Chris Manuel. I don't know why I'm like, I think I'm getting like. (laughs) You're nervous. We just made it through the whole interview. Now you're nervous. And now I'm like starting to get like all all nervous. (laughs) And and on Facebook, um, Chris Manuel. So you can follow me on both of those. There it I is. do use and Instagram And if you're more, listening and, uh, because you're a Chris fan. What's that? Whoa, something crazy just happened. Like screen froze and then everything caught up. What was that last thing you just said? 
Oh, so I'm I'm on Instagram a lot. So I typically I post a lot of stories on Instagram and whatnot. So add on Chris Manuel, follow me along, and I'll follow you back. And a lot of fitness stuff too. You be doing your jujitsu. I put a lot of fitness. I put everything on there. I mean, you're gonna see my life. You know. Yeah. Gotta follow and keep up with the next projects and. Maybe you'll be in a city when he goes on for Adam, and then yeah. you can see him kill it with that you good never know. review. We're going to the West Coast. We're going to leave in, um, we're next week, we're in Tampa. Then we have a week layoff, and then we head to the West Coast until September. Yeah. Oh, so wow. So we'll be all in California, Portland, Seattle, uh, San Diego, Denver. You are busy what? and big. Yeah. That's a fucking busy. <laughs> and if you guys are tuning in because you're a Chris fan and you don't follow us, follow us at Survival Jobs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, on Facebook at Survival Jobs a Podcast. Shoot us an email at survivaljobspod at gmail.com. Follow my boy Jason at Jason A. Coombs. And follow me at Sammy Tuts. Jason, that's the yes. first time I ever got your Instagram handle right. I'm so proud. <laughs> there you go. I really am. <laughs> Chris, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I know you have yeah. a show to get to, so we appreciate you. And come back. Yeah, I would love to. It's been great. Yes, and next time I promise no technical difficulties next time, and then we can have a little more time to talk to you. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great show today. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.